All right, welcome back. Thanks so much for people that keep coming back and joining me every week for these podcasts. Again, I was very reluctant to start these to begin with, so I truly appreciate those of you who have come forth on Facebook to um, offer encouraging messages and to give some feedback on them. It means a lot. So for this episode, we're going to do something a little bit different and weigh into what I didn't realize until a couple of years ago is potentially controversial territory which is beginner lists. Um, I've done a beginner list on my blog that has actually been by far the most popular article I've written on it. I then followed it up in Facebook, I believe uh, December of 2016, I put up a basically a beginner species walkthrough of some of the species that I've found work great as beginners. And I've always thought that as someone who is trying to educate people on the hobby and first and foremost, really help those that are just getting into it, kind of get their feet underneath them and learn some of the the tricks of the trade. It, it always seemed to me that this was a great idea that people would appreciate it. But when I posted the first article up, I did get some feedback from people that basically said it was ridiculous to put up a starter species list because any species could be a good starter species. And I will come back to that point in a little, little while. And then when I did the YouTube video, again, we got some thumbs down, which is fine. I, I'm assuming some people didn't agree with my choices or whatnot. And usually I, I would expect the controversy to come up over the fact that you're picking species that some people don't appreciate or don't think are good beginner species or wouldn't have made their list. And I can understand that. Everybody's got a different opinion. And if they see this list and think you're offering up a species that doesn't make sense to them, then yeah, you're going to, you're going to criticize it. But I did have a couple people that emailed me after that to say that it was a big waste of time and I was misleading people that are getting into the hobby because there really are no beginner species and those lists are ridiculous ways of time, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, fast forward a little bit. I was just privy to a conversation. I'm not going to mention the person who it is, and I'm not going to mention where this conversation took place, but let's just say it was several people involved and a YouTuber, somebody who does videos on YouTube, had proposed making a video which would essentially denounce the so-called starter tarantulas. Basically, this individual was upset or got very upset to see so many people making videos about starter tarantulas and felt that there needed to be a reaction, some type of um, anti-beginner tarantula video out there, which I found kind of shocking at first. And then the individual also offered up the fact that they thought that folks should, when they're choosing a tarantula, look only at appearance and the behavior. And that was it. And offered that they just need to do some research. I have a very difficult time with this. And I don't want to bash somebody else that's doing the YouTube thing. Uh, Quite frankly, when I got into the YouTube, and just to to clarify, I moved over from my blog because I was trying to reach what I thought would be an even bigger audience. Because some people don't have the time to wade through huge, long, drawn-out articles about husbandry. and, And let's call a spade a spade. Some things are much easier to demonstrate than to try to talk about through text. So what would happen was originally is I would shoot or I would write an article and decide, hey, I'm trying to describe how to rehouse this thing when I could better show it. So I'd go over, grab my phone, have one of my kids come over, tape a video of me rehousing one because, again, pictures worth a thousand words. And that's how I got started in YouTube. And then my daughter kind of convinced me to move into it more, to take it more seriously. And I found it's another whole audience. Sometimes people don't have time, unfortunately, to do the reading that it's sometimes warranted in the hobby to sit down and do the research. It's sometimes easier to watch a video than to go and read a big article, especially if something's coming up, it's an emergency, and you're trying to figure something out real quick, it's easier to throw in a video. So that's what I got into it. So I take this responsibility very 
seriously, like I know a lot of people look to my information to be accurate. They look for me to be on point with my husbandry info. They look for me to be somebody they can trust. So it's very important to me that I don't spread misinformation and that when I put something up there, I feel like it's 100% something I stand behind. Not only me, but I like to look at what other people are doing as well and factor that in. Also, I'll also encourage people to check out other sources and to talk to other people so they're not just taking my word for it. And I also pride myself on being open-minded. I've done the Tarantula Controversies series on my blog in which I try to take a controversial subject and see both sides of it, and I usually can see both sides. However, in this instance, I have to say I was left really heavily favoring the side that agrees that beginner species lists are beneficial, and that for many folks, not all folks, so let me make that abundantly clear, there are people that can seem to jump right in the deep end of this hobby and do perfectly fine. There are people that jump in this hobby, start off with beginners, and quickly move up the ladder to keeping the old world species and have no issues. So I'm not discounting that. But I think when you make a beginner's list, what you are thinking about is the average beginner, the average person who is coming into this hobby with little to no knowledge about tarantulas. And trust me on this, I've been doing the Tom's Big Spiders thing for quite some time. I get a lot of emails from new keepers asking questions that would probably get them shredded on arachnoboards because they're very basic questions, but that's okay. When you get into the hobby, they're very simple to keep, and I think a lot of us get to a point where we look back at some of the things we did and some of the mistakes we made and realize that it was kind of silly. They're not that difficult to keep, but a lot of it is reprogramming from keeping you know, mammals and other pets and other vertebrates that you actually have to feed constantly, and I've already covered this in previous ones. So there are, there's a mindset that you have to kind of have to approach the hobby. The biggest issues people usually come into is the rehousings. That's where it's most dangerous, and we'll discuss that in a moment. But I do believe the majority of people getting into this hobby, the newbies, for lack of a better term, are coming in with not very much information. And I love, and I'm just going to get this one right out of the way, because one of the things this keeper said was that, bottom line, anybody should be able to pick up any tarantula they want. They just need to do the research. That's the key. They need to do the research. Everybody should be doing research. And I agree 150%. When getting into any hobby that involves an animal that you're caring for, it is your responsibility to do the research, to read up on them, to watch videos, to talk to other people that keep them, to find out how to keep them healthy. I agree 150%, but here is the problem. And perhaps I've got a little inside knowledge about this because I am also a teacher and work with high school students where a lot of the curriculum for the high school kids at this point is how to correctly research. And I work with a lot of people through Facebook and my blog and emails. Here's the deal. A lot of people don't know how to research correctly. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. A lot of people won't research. A lot of people will go to Petco. They'll be there shopping around. They go, oh, look at this little spider. I've always wanted a tarantula. This is adorable. They pick it up. They talk to the Petco person. Hey, how do you keep this thing? Petco person says, oh, well, that's a that's called a rose hair. You spray it down 30 times a day and you know dump 70 crickets in. And the person goes home and they think the pet store people know and that's it. There's no research involved. It's only when the thing starts climbing up the side of the container, not eating, things of that nature, that they take a step back and go, uh-oh, maybe I screwed up. And then I get an email. Hey, Tom, this is, this is the deal. I just bought this. I don't judge these people because you expect to go into one of these places 
and get good information. And a lot of times you do not. That's just the reality. Another reality is a lot of people don't know how to correctly research something. And that's fine. That's not making fun of anybody. That's not an indictment of anybody's intelligence. It's the fact that there is a skill to being able to seek out good information, especially in the day and age of the internet being the way it is with Wikipedia entries. I could go on Wikipedia right now and write a Wikipedia report that says that M. Balfouri need to be kept in three inches of water with little floating islands and feed them guppies. And that would probably be up there for a little while until somebody reported me. God knows how many people would see that and do the exact same thing and, and wonder why their tarantulas are dead a day later. But the bottom line is, for people whose main argument about starting off with more advanced species is that, well, people just need to do the research. That's, I'm sorry, it's a foolish notion. That's not how the world works. That's not how people operate. That's not a realistic idea. You have to operate under the assumption that a lot of people coming into this hobby, these new beginners that we're talking about, know nothing about the hobby, know nothing about tarantulas, know nothing about old worlds versus new worlds. And I have a, a mini-series going on this podcast, as Molly shakes off in the background, that's talking about things I wish I knew when I got in the hobby. One of them is old worlds versus new worlds. That's a huge issue. I can't tell you how many people who will email me and go, hey, I'm dying to get my first tarantula. I've located this one called Pisolotheria metallica. It's beautiful. And then I've literally had people that are shocked to discover that the bite of this species, now again, they're not prone to bite, they'd rather run and hide, but a bite from a pokey is going to hurt a lot more than a bee sting. They don't know this information. So I'm approaching, when I did my beginner's list, I think I mentioned in one of the articles I did online, I think it did an update article on my blog, I mentioned that what I took into account was like a 10, 12-year-old child that's just getting their first pet because I do think under the right circumstances, a tarantula can be a good first pet because they're low maintenance. You can learn the basic requirements of what it takes to care for an animal without having to worry about killing it per se. And that's not to say, you know, they should be torturing their tarantulas or, or caring for them poorly, but just that it's a little easier to take care of them. But I think of that 10 to 12 year old kid who's going to have friends over, who's going to be showing them the friends who might have brothers and sisters and pets and whatnot. And then right away, I cross out old world species. Now, again, here's where lists, and I this was originally going to be, and I'm still probably going to do this. I want to do an episode just on lists and how fun they can be, but how silly they can be at the same time. A list doesn't take into account that you're, I know 12 year olds, like at 12 years old, I can honestly say that having, you know, kept animals and worked with animals my entire life, I probably would have been perfectly fine with tarantulas. I was a cautious kid around animals. I love animals. I love studying their behavior. And that would have been fine. My brother, same thing. When he hit about 12, 13 years old, we just were, I think we just have a, a natural propensity for being good at working with animals. That's great. Then I can think about some of my own kids that I would probably not give a tarantula to or anything to at this point. I can think of adults that are amazing with keeping animals. I, I interact with some amazing adults that will come in. They're doing their research. You can tell they've got a good head on their shoulders. They're logical. They understand what they're getting into. And I work with some adults that I'm sitting on the other end of that computer, writing them back, just shaking my head, trying to figure out how to address them because you can tell you're not dealing with somebody that might approach life in the same logical manner that you do. And that's a nice way of putting it. But And again, if anybody's out there right now listening to this going, oh my God, I shot him an email. I hope that wasn't me. Trust me, the majority of people I talk to are fantastic. But every once in a while, you get somebody that says something that just kind of blows your mind a little bit. So when you're talking about beginner's list, obviously, 
Let's get this out of the way. Obviously, there are going to be outliers. There are going to be younger folks that probably could deal with old worlds. There'll be older folks that probably shouldn't be anywhere near old worlds. There's going to be uh, people, older folks, that are really good right off the bat. There'll be younger folks that'll be really good off the bat. That's not what we're looking at, though, when we make a list. We're talking about the average beginner. And when you're talking about the average beginner, I can say from several years of experience with interacting quite frequently with average beginners, they come into the hobby not knowing very much. Hence, where you get the idea for a beginner species list. I have a blog, and as I've already mentioned several times already, and the article on beginner species has averaged for the last year about 200 views a day. That's 200 people that are looking up specifically, and I can track through my blog what search terms are used. Most popular search term, beginner tarantula, newbie tarantula, uh, tarantula for newbie, things of that nature. That is what people are searching for. That is a common phrase that people, even just getting into the hobby, know enough to look for. These are the people that are going, hey, I've heard a little, about these, a little bit about these tarantulas. I would like to get one. I don't know all that much about them, and I'd like to make sure that I get one that's appropriate. That's what they're searching for. So for someone to come out and say, well, that's ridiculous. There's no such thing as a beginner tarantula. Bull. There are some ones out there. The majority of people in this hobby, including people that jumped into the hobby very quickly, and I've talked to many keepers that like, yeah, I'll be honest, I didn't use the ladder system. The ladder system, those who aren't, um, aren't aware, is this idea that you start off with certain types of species like slow new worlds and then work your way up to faster new worlds and then arboreals and then some faster arboreals and then usually it's like they say three or five years you jump into the old world species and for some people that's fantastic Um, for other people they move very very quickly they get basic husbandry down fast and then they start moving on into the old world species so obviously there are going to be some people that skip that don't have to do that but for a lot of people starting off with those beginner species, a lot of people that jumped right in on the deep end will come back and say, hey, it worked for me, but I've had experiences with other people that it doesn't work for everybody. And that's where a beginner list comes in. We can disagree, but we can argue until we're blue in the face over what constitutes a good beginner. But if you see these lists, there are generally several species that pop up that kind of end up in everybody else's list. Um, on mine, I ended up uh, leaving off Acanthoscura geniculata off my first couple times I did lists only because I've heard people that have ones that are a little bit un, you know, unwieldy and a little bit unpredictable. But that'll be one that I'm adding in because you know what? The general consensus is these do make great beginners. So I'm going to defer to other people that have experience and add those to the list. I can do that. Um, so maybe it wasn't on my first list, but I'm more than happy to admit that when it shows up on somebody else's now, I'm like, yeah, that's, good. that's a good call. For somebody that's hands-off and knows what they're getting into, that's a good call. So I think a lot of the Gramostola species... Um, let's let's tackle this one right off the bat. So we talk about beginners, and I think one thing that always comes up, people will say they'll all, yeah, beginner species are ridiculous. All you're doing is recommending the Gramostola species, and they're boring. I'm sorry, but if you get a giant spider, if this is your first spider, and you are immediately bored with this spider, get the heck out of the hobby. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I know everybody has their own opinions over what makes a good spider, what makes a bad spider, but usually people just getting into the hobby, just having a six-inch giant spider is enough to be kind of thrilling. My first spider has been very well documented in interviews and on YouTube and through my um, blog and everything else, was a G. Porteri. It amazed me. She just sat there. Sure, she was your quintessential pet rock, but it was a gorgeous pet rock. It was one I was fascinated with. I had a giant five-inch spider for many, many years. And sometimes I'd just open the top of that and close and just stare at her. That's all it took. 
So unfortunately, when people come in like, oh yeah, that's that's boring. It just sits there. My favorite argument ever was one where somebody um, had seen my beginner species and went, well, is there anything more exciting on it? They saw my beginner species list, emailed me, and the guy started. It started off very polite, very cordial. And I'm like, well, you know, I threw a couple more, and I threw Formictopus in. If you're, you know, hands off, I think they could be a good beginner species, although the attitude can scare some people off. I threw in Geniculata, a Geniculata, and the guy's like, well, how about some of these baboon species? I mean, they can be good beginners, right? So I gave my two cents of why I thought for most people, not all people, and anybody that's interacted with me over this knows I'm very reasonable as far as, hey, do your research, you get what you want. Um, I said, I don't think they're a very good one. He's like, well, I'm sorry. You know, I've seen these Gramostolas and they just look boring as heck. They just sit there. I really would like one of those cobalt blues. And I had to take a step back because I'm like, all right, let's call it as it is. I love my cobalt blue. See her maybe, maybe once a year. I'll catch some feet out or she'll she'll be out getting a drink at night. I'll come down in the morning, catch her out. How is having a spider that you at least see, big spider sitting right out in the open, any less thrilling than one where you're staring at a webbed hole? It doesn't make sense to me. I'm sorry. So what it comes down to, and I think in some cases, is you have to ask yourself, why are you getting into this hobby? I got into this hobby. I love tarantulas. I love I love all animals. I would If I had more property, I think we've, I've mentioned this before. If I had more property, I'd have a herd of goats out there. I love goats. I'd probably have a couple of sheep. Like I just love animals. I have my four dogs that I cuddle with and treat like human beings. I'm one of those people. Uh, I just love animals and I love, I'm fascinated by tarantulas in general. I hate when they have things like, hey, name your least favorite tarantula. Which one do you wish you never got? Which one do you think sucks? Those drive me nuts because I don't have one. I love just, you can take any tarantula out of my collection. Yep, I love it. And people have commented when I joke on my video or joke about my videos where I'll say, oh, this is one of my favorites and it's like every tarantula I ever mentioned. So I think it comes down to, recognizing that some people get into the hobby because they love tarantulas. They love looking at those different personalities. They they don't mind they have a pet rock. They don't mind they have a pet hole. They don't mind they have an arboreal that's out in the open. They don't mind they have a boreal that hides. They love them all equally. And then there are folks that get in because, let's call it as it is, they're adrenaline junkies. They hear about this thing called an OBT, orange bitey thing. And I, I've obviously I love the OBT. I don't bash the OBT. It seems that we've gone the pendulum swung both ways. When I first got into hobby, everybody was getting them. Now everybody's bashing them. I love the species. I'm very fortunate in that I have a very calm little girl. I tried to get video of her the other day. Just calmly, I, I tapped on the side of her enclosure, going back in to her den like it was no thing. She sits out in the open. Great. Obviously, some of them can be a little more temperamental. But anyway, you will get people that get into the hobby, and they immediately go, I don't want this spider. This is boring. Boring meaning safe, probably. And I want to get this spider because I've heard they can be nasty. I've literally had emails where people go, hey, I want to try to hold this thing. I I, I saw this H. maculata. I know they can bite, but I really want to hold this thing. That's an adrenaline thing. That's you're doing something that inside your brain's telling you is scary, possibly dangerous, and you're getting an adrenaline rush off it. And there's a lot of those people out there that I get it a lot from younger guys and, and not judging anybody out there. It's a younger dude. I, I was one once too. Um, now I'm an older dude. But bottom line, it comes down to why are you getting into it? If it's one of these people that's going in for the adrenaline rush of it, yeah, guess what? They're not going to look at my beginner species list or they're going to look at my beginner species list or somebody else's beginner species list or somebody else's beginner species list and go, yep, those are boring. I want something that's going to get my adrenaline going. I want something that has that element of danger to it. They want that potential of a bite. They love reading the bite reports and hearing how dangerous it is. They want to be able to brag to their friends, hey, look, I got this spider that I read could put somebody in the hospital. And I'm not going to get into 
breaking down, whether that's bad or obviously I think everybody knows my opinion of that, but that's a reality. Those aren't the people that these lists are for. Those are people that you're not. Unfortunately, I've tried to reason with some. I've gotten some. I've gotten others. I did have one that the guy said he was going to get one. He was going to try to hold it. And he was, I got an email afterwards. Hey, I got bet. It was miserable. Um, it was actually a very humble response. And he's like, you were right. And uh, I probably shouldn't have done this. And he was, I, I think he learned a valuable lesson. Unfortunately, some of us have to put our hands on the burner a couple times to figure things out. So when we're talking about lists, we're not talking about those people. Unfortunately, those seem to be the guys that get the most offended by these lists. They skipped and some of them do quite well. Don't get me wrong. I've talked to a couple people. I can think of one keeper in particular that jumped right in the deep end. I was a little worried for him, but he's done great. He hasn't been bitten. He's learned a lot. He knows his stuff. He's obviously one of the ones that just has the gift to jump right in and get it. Those are generally seem to be the people because I almost think they almost feel like when you do a beginner's list that it's it's quietly scolding them. I don't know. They take such offense to it. Like by putting a beginner's list out there, you're telling them they did something wrong, which nobody is. Full disclosure, I moved fairly quickly through the hobby. I, I don't mention this a lot because I don't want to give people the wrong idea. And please understand, I've had a lot of experience with animal. That's my thing. Like everybody's got something that they're enjoying, they're good at. I've always been really good with animals, with dogs, with you know taming down. We had a skunk in my barn that I tamed down just for fun because it would come in and eat the cat food from the barn cats when I was a kid. That was like my happy place when I was a kid playing with animals. So I, I started off with the beginner species, but I moved rapidly into Pisolotheria and things of that nature. And luckily, it worked out for me. I, I didn't think I was being hubristic in jumping into the deep end. I, I felt confident. And I always tell people, when you're ready to move, you'll know. If you're having nightmares about transferring an OBT, don't get one yet. It means you're too anxious. You want to be calm enough. You want to be alert and calm enough to be able to deal with these animals, not scared. You can never be scared of them, and we'll get back to that in a bit. So one of the things that I've noticed is that the people that tend to get most upset over these lists are the ones that have jumped jumped into the hobby very quickly, which I don't understand because, great, it worked for you, but I've also talked to a lot of keepers that jumped in the hobby quickly and will point to how important it is to know this stuff before you get into the bigger animal, the more aggressive, sorry, defensive and potentially dangerous animals. So let's talk a minute. Why a beginner species? Um, I've heard it brought up that nothing in the world, no new world species in the world could get you ready for the uh, speed of an old world species. So why even bother starting? Well, that's not true at all. I'm thinking of Salmopias, um, Aphibopus, uh Tapodicinius species. Um, I have uh, Sazmes that are incredibly fast. Um, Neoholotheli inci are very, very fast. Those are all New World species in genera that will give you that speed and give you that unpredictability without the potential for a debilitating bite. So let's right right away. Let's dispel that. There are absolutely new world species that you can keep that some of them are faster than the old world ones. So that's ridiculous. So knock that that discussion needs to go away that they don't prepare you. I think the biggest thing is, and this is what I tell to everybody asking, when should I get an old world species? When will I be ready? What, what are the prerequisites for it? And my biggest thing is having your basic husbandry and care down. This is, this is what it comes down to. You need to know how to clean boluses, how to water, feed, change the enclosure, and most importantly, rehouse and, and have a good 
solid approach to rehousing, be a comfortable rehousing, whether it be the cup method, whether it be the bag method, whatever you use, if it's in the bathtub, it's on your living room table, if it's on your basement floor, you need to have that down pat because that's where things will go wrong. You have a G Proteri that sits there like a rock 99% of the time. It allows you to get in the habit of identifying boluses and removing those boluses without worrying about the spider feeling like you're encroaching upon its territory and attacking you or defending itself, not attacking, defending. And you changing water dishes. I can't tell you how many times I've read stories of people changing water dishes and that's when the old world will come out and they'll pull on a web, triggers the old world's defensive response and it comes out with the fangs bared. Um, the rehousings, that's numero uno as far as places where things can and will go wrong. One of the reasons I do so many rehousing videos is to try to show people how to go about them and how they can go very smoothly, even for some of the species like Pisolotheria, some of the old world ones that you would expect to be nightmares. I actually have a harder time with my, if I'm being completely honest, with some of my new world species. But that doesn't take the place. And I want to make this very, very, very clear watching all the videos in the world i do think you can garner some experience from that and you can see techniques and you can practice them and i know for a fact that works because i've done it myself however totally different from actually doing it yourself when you're there and the nerves start going and i've heard people say their hands start trembling they start sweating it can be i remember the first time my son and i who's now 20 22 uh, rehoused my Pisolotheria vitata, and she was about five inches at the time. This was the first adult-sized old world we had rehoused, and I went in. I'll admit, I was I was pretty nervous. It was kind of funny. It was a good father-son experience because we're both kind of giggling because we're like, okay, we're, we're treating the thing like literally it was a radioactive face hugger or something, and it went very very smoothly. But I think we were both nervous and we were careful, but it wasn't to the point where we were screwing up. We still were deliberate in our movements. We still had a pretty good game plan for what to do, and it went very, very well. And I think after that one, I did a couple more with the old worlds, and I gained some confidence, and it took away that panic factor. And that's the one thing that you can't prepare for by watching videos is the quote, we'll call it the panic factor, the oh God, this didn't go as planned, what am I going to do? That's when you kind of find out what, where you are. You always talk about flight or uh, fight or flight in people when the adrenaline gets pumping. It's kind of like that with tarantulas. I've heard stories where the tarantula bolts, the people freak out, freak out, drop the catch cup, throw their tongs up in the air, and next thing you know, the spider's on the ceiling and they're panicking trying to figure out how to get it down. Then there are the people that take a step back, tape it, take a deep breath, and for lack of a better term, they're going to fight through that panic, go in, and do what they need to do. And that's what you got to kind of do with even the New World species. Rehousing them can be an adventure. Even New World species, even a Brachypelma, Fonapelma species, you can have a little adventure trying to rehouse them. And I think that's where beginners really need to put in some time before they get into Old World in most cases is getting that down, getting the basic husbandry. So what are the prerequisites to getting into Old Worlds? Know your basic husbandry. Know that you are confident in rehousing any spider, regardless if it's an Old World or a New World. You're going to obviously start with New World species under both circumstances. But try it out a couple times. Get it down pat. When you're comfortable with that, then you go to the Old World. And some of you might be going, why? Because the Old Worlds are much less forgiving if something goes wrong. If I'm rehousing my... G. Porteri will keep sticking with her, and she throws up a threat pose. So what? I leave my catch cup on her and move on. Um, if I'm rehousing an OBT and that thing gets triggered, 
Now we have a mess. They will bolt. They will run fast as lightning. They will not stop until they feel secure. And if they get cornered, they are going to strike and most will strike with the intent of harming you. They will have the fangs out. We always talk. I I got a couple photos the other day and I was with Billy and I was trying to show her the difference between spiders that are throwing a threat posture for show and spiders are throwing a threat posture because, hey, they're going to hurt you if they get the chance. And a lot of them, you'll see they don't even bear their fangs. Their fangs are still held close together when they throw up and they start slapping. Those are kind of ones, this is a warning. Please stay away from me. I have other species. Those fangs are out and dripping. And bottom line, you want to learn with a species that you're not going to pay the ultimate penalty for and get bit. So if I get, and, and if you do get bit, you want it to be with a species is like, ow, that was hurt. That was uncomfortable. It stings a little bit. Not, oh, dear Lord, what do we have for painkillers from my last dentist appointment where I got the root canal that I can take because this pain is excruciating. There's a big difference. So that's why we encourage folks just getting into this hobby. Start with something. Just get one spider. Get an adult New World spider and spend some time with it. Watch how it moves. I tell you, you can start, and I've talked to other keepers that say the same thing. When you keep enough tarantulas and you do enough rehousing, you start to recognize the patterns they move in. And you start to be able to anticipate this is where it's going to go. It's going to go hit that corner. It's going to scrunch up and wait. Or it's going to hit that corner. It's going to go up and over. You start to recognize little things. And that's a lot easier to learn with a more forgiving New World species than an old world species. Once you get into doing the old world species, now it's not so forgiving. Now if you go to put that catch cup down and that thing bolts out or you don't completely get it in the catch cup and it shoots up over that cup, it will go up on your hand and it will have given the opportunity probably bite you. That's a nightmare. That's that's a good way to run people out of the hobby. Uh, for an example, I had somebody that emailed me not that long ago. They picked up in a, I believe it was a female piece of Letharia Metallica And while trying to transfer the Metallica, it got out and somebody got bit. No joke. And it was, what do we do? She's in excruciating pain. And unfortunately, I never did hear back what happened with it. Um, But that's a situation that you don't want to be in as a beginner. That's going to drive you completely away from the hobby. I talked about how one of my first shows I went to where I went was looking at tarantulas. They had one there that I realized later on it was slapping at the container the whole time. tie black, I think, or whatever. And had I brought that one home and had I gotten bit, that probably would have been it for me for the hobby. It would have been like, the heck with this, I'm not doing this anymore. And at that point, I thought they were all bee stings. So why do we do beginner lists? Because it, it, it's a safe way to introduce people to the hobby. If you get a beginner and you've kept it a few months and you're like, hey, I, I got a knack for this. This is pretty easy. Then by all means, do some research, find another species and move on up the ladder. That's fine. That's easy enough. And... If you're somebody that just started off with an old world species and you had no problems with it and you moved right through old worlds and it was never an issue, that's great. That's uh, Obviously, there's people like that out there that jump right in and there's no problems. But then remember, not everybody's like you. I mean, everybody comes in with a different skill set, with different background information, with a different um, level of ability to deal with and care for these animals. And we have to recognize where we are just because you were able, there's nothing worse than when you get the one-uppers where you talk about, you're doing something like, oh yeah, it only took me one week to figure that out. Yeah, it's great. Go pat yourself on the back. Who cares? I really don't give a crap. You stop bragging. That works for you. That's great. But don't make somebody else feel cruddy about it by telling them, making them feel like they're not doing it fast enough. And I've heard situations where, unfortunately, experienced keepers, somebody's come into it, and you can tell the person probably, just by the fact that they're asking, am I ready for this, probably is not ready. If you're asking other people if you're ready for an old world, you might not be ready yet because we can't tell you that's inside. But I've seen 
experienced keepers be like, oh, yeah, go for this, go for that. Who cares? Everybody does it. I, I remember one guy telling somebody, yeah, go get an OBT. They're not really that bad. I just don't find that to be prudent information. And again, I think for some of us that do this, I, I want to make it very clear my whole point for Tom's Big Spiders from the beginning. This wasn't me sitting around going, how can I do something and get popular. It was never about that. And quite frankly, I think I shared the story with a few people. When I started Tom's Big Spiders, it was kind of a joke at first. Uh, Billy and I go on these three and a half mile walks with the dogs and I was getting really into tarantulas and she was having to listen to me talk about them incessantly. And I kind of started to feel bad. And then I saw somebody did a blog about them. I go, hey, I'm going to start a blog. It'll be funny. And the Tom's Big Spiders name was actually a joke. It was originally going to be Tom's Tarantulas and that was already taken. And then we're like, we'll do Tom's Big Spiders. And everybody giggled. And at first it was just supposed to be a fun thing for me to kind of, I enjoy writing. I just wanted to get some of this out of my system to be able to talk about it. But then it picked up. And when I realized people were actually reading my stuff and when I started getting questions, it was humbling. And I realized I had a responsibility to make sure what I put up there was accurate. So I became very serious about making sure that if I put something up there, it was research that I felt like I could back it up. And then I tweak things. Sometimes I put stuff up there and later on change them. At one point I had humidity requirements up there because I was trying to give people a ballpark. But then I realized that people were like sticking to these humidity requirements. So we took that completely down. I tweak things. I change things. The whole idea of everything I'm doing is to try to give people a safe spot that they can go to and start off when they're researching. If somebody goes to my site and says, hey, check out Tom's website to a new somebody new in the hobby, I want them to be able to know they are getting solid information. And I've pointed people in the direction of other people, other keepers, other breeders, um, posts on forums, on Facebook groups. If I don't know information, I will tell you. I don't know. I don't have the species. Here's how I would keep it, but I would talk to somebody else. So the whole point of me doing all this stuff is not it's not a popularity contest. For me, if I'm reaching more people, that's great. There's more people that are keeping these correctly. That's what it comes down to. Uh, my whole point of YouTube isn't, if you notice, you don't see videos of mine going, best feeding video ever. Oh my God, it almost killed me. My spider just about ate my face off, things like that. I'm not into clickbait. It's probably at a detriment. I've had many people tell me I should change the names of my articles because I'll get more people to click on them. It's not me. It's not what I'm doing. I'd rather have somebody just look at my boring title and go, oh, that's the information I need, rather than have a bunch of kids that are sitting around watching YouTube go, oh, I want to see if this guy gets bit in the face by this OBT. So I understand some YouTubers don't have the same mindset I do as far as what they're producing and what they want their channel to be about. And I'm not judging that. If your channel's about thrills and fun and whatever, that's great. But if you're on YouTube and you have a channel and you're kind of just by putting a channel up on YouTube, I don't know if people realize this. You can say all you want that you're not an expert and you're new or whatever. Again, this comes back to my point. People don't know how to seek out good information and appropriate information when they're doing research, a lot of people won't recognize that. They see a person that has a YouTube channel that is putting information out there that must be an expert, that must know what they're talking about. They, they're not able to evaluate if you just literally picked up your first two old worlds last week and are now talking about them. So I do think that we have a responsibility that if you're out there putting out videos or writing blogs or whatever you're doing, doing a podcast that you have a responsibility to make sure the information you put out there is solid, is good. Or else all you're doing is perpetuating this crap that's posted online about these animals that can they can result in people getting hurt 
They result in animals not being kept correctly. They result in very bad views of the hobby because a lot of people, I talk to people like, oh, you have a YouTube channel. Oh, we've watched a couple of them. There's kids chasing an OBT around the room or this big orange spider around them. They all know the name, obviously. And it's, they almost get bit. And it's, it's crazy. That's what they think of when they think of tarantula YouTubers. And I think a lot of us are trying to change that stigma and show that there are some people out there that want to make these videos to instruct people and to draw them into the hobby. Petco from Dark Den, obviously a sterling example, kind of the figurehead of this hobby in YouTube now, because I think people understand that Petco knows what he's talking about, that he loves these animals, and that he's preaching responsibility, correct care, incredibly entertaining guy. That's what the majority of us want this to be with YouTube. So obviously there are going to be people out there making videos that don't share this. I've heard the argument like, hey, I'm not out here to teach anybody. I'm just out here to put pictures of my spiders up. That's great. But by doing that, you're encouraging, if you're doing crazy stuff, you're encouraging other people to try it. And I do have a problem with that. I normally don't put my foot down with things, but that irritates me. That's one of the things when I started my YouTube channel, I got a lot of negative feedback on some of the boards and stuff because, oh, he's going to be one of those YouTubers, all those people you can't listen to. They're all crap. They're all narcissistic. And it really irritated me because it's like, that's not what I came here for. I didn't come here to do feeding videos or tong feedings or things that were going to be, you know, uh, oh, look at my tarantula almost escaped. Oh, biggest tarantula in the world, scariest tarantula in the world. It was never about sensationalism. It was carrying over the idea I had for the blog, but to do it in a visual format to go, all right, here's what I'm talking about for those of you who want to read it over here. And here's what it looks like in practice over here. That's what it's about. And that's what I'm sticking to. I'm not judging the people that are being crazy for the most part, but to come out and say, tarantula beginner tarantula videos or beginner tarantula lists are ridiculous and useless and not good for people that i find that to be kind of ridiculous i firmly believe that for the vast majority of people getting into the hobby not everybody and let's make that very clear beginners lists are incredibly important and a great place to start and i would go a step further when you put a beginner's list up on youtube or on a site like i did with tom's big spiders and there's a place for people to comment, that opens up a dialogue about them. And that's more important than any list. Lists are static. There are information thrown up there. You read them, you walk away. You can listen to it. You can not listen to it. Having those comment sections, look at the comment section sometimes on some of these beginner species lists. You have a lot of dialogue by people who have kept these species that can add to it. You have species I know with mine. I kind of opened it up in the end and said, hey, does anybody else have other beginner species that aren't included that you'd like to talk about? And people make suggestions of things that I didn't keep that I can't comment on personally, but somebody will offer, like I think somebody said a Fauna Pelma Annex or something, and somebody else went, yeah, I have one of those, it's great too, and somebody else came in, yeah, I love that too. There's another one added to the list right there because I think a lot of people watch the videos and they go down to read the comments to kind of see what people are saying and if there's any validity to the video. Obviously, if you have a bad video, you're expecting a lot of thumbs down and crappy comments. If you have a good video, then you're expecting good comments. I think by putting those videos up, it opens up a dialogue, and that's always what it's about, not just taking one piece of information, not just hopping on you know, Petco's video or um, my video or somebody else's video, Euler's video, and going, all right, this is the be-all, end-all, but looking at that using as a starting point, jotting down some spiders you're interested in, and this is literally how I would go about it. So anybody wants to know how you do research for a beginner species, here goes, 
You look at one video, you write down some species that appeal to you. Then you look up more. Then you go online. You look up the care online. If you really want to get creative with it, you go to the World Spiders Catalog. You pull up the actual description papers. You go through. You find out where they live. You find out what the temperatures are. You go in. They say, oh, they're in this place in Paraguay. You look up the climate of Paraguay. You can find how humid it is. You can find how much off, how often it rains. You can find out high temps, low temps. This is how you go about it. But, again, here we go. Realistically, a lot of people don't know how to do that. Understandable. You know, it's it's a skill, again, we're trying to teach in high school, and we're, I don't know if we're really winning the battle, but being able to not just find information, but identify good, reliable information, that's a totally different ballgame. So for people that can't, aren't able to go through and do accurate research, these are good alternatives. This is where, yeah, great, you can say, oh, everybody should be doing research anyway. A lot of people won't. And this is where having a beginner species list with some comments that people can go through, helps people get started. It gives them a place to start. It allows the dialogue to open up. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten the thing, oh, I didn't realize there were two types of tarantulas, old worlds and new worlds. What's the difference? That is huge. That's something you absolutely need to know about before getting into these. That could be the difference between having a great experience in the hobby or getting bit by a spider that you didn't know wasn't wor- you know, was actually much worse than the bee sting and having a terrible experience in the hobby. It opens up things about molting and about care and about how much you feed them. So it all kind of trickles down from that starting point. People are going to go to Google. They're going to put their little cursor in the search engine bar there and they're going to put best beginner tarantulas, best beginner spiders, best newbie spiders, best spider for person in the hobby, things of that nature. And that is going to serve as their springboard to find out more about the hobby. Now, for the people that are the naysayers and say that these things are useless, bull. Because what's going to happen is somebody that's got more experience, I've had people that have kept snakes, have kept other exotics, they start there, then they start doing their research. And they realize, oh, there's old worlds and new worlds. And they look up old worlds and they go, oh, these guys have really bad bites. Oh, these guys are really fast. Oh, this one will dig and I'll never see it. And that's where you get the research in. But they need a place to start from. And that's the beginner list. And I think as long as this hobby is around and continues to grow, these beginner lists are going to be incredibly important and will remain incredibly important. So if you're somebody out there that didn't use the beginner species list, if you didn't use the ladder system, if you just jumped right in the hobby and did okay, congratulations. Hopefully that didn't just pop my microphone, but seriously, I applaud you. Great job. That's amazing. Awesome. I, I, too bad we don't hand out medals for them. I feel like I move pretty quick. I don't expect somebody to pat me on the back and go, yeah, Tom, great job, man. You're awesome. That's great. But as soon as you start using it to try to tell other people they should do the same, that's absurd. I'm sorry. That's not the way things work. I, I, I've heard somebody use the analogy of riding motorcycles, and some people get it really quickly. Some people have to start with the smaller ones before they bust out in the you know really fast ones. I don't. Again, I probably shouldn't have brought up this analogy because I know nothing about bikes, but I've heard people say it very well, explaining that it's it. it some people it just takes more time. So don't try to enforce your beliefs on them. Let people use these lists as a springboard, and then finally the idea of just picking a tarantula for color. I know it was mentioned at the beginning of this, but I didn't want to stray away from this. I will tell you, number one tarantula, and it was probably the same for me. Actually, it's flat out, it was the same for me as well. Everybody take a guess. What is the number one tarantula people, when they start researching, see and go, oh my God, that's got to be fake. Oh my God, it's real. Oh my God, I got to have one. It's the P. Metallica, the Goody. The, the, it's the, like the holy grail for people that just get in a hobby. And I think the majority of us that have kept P. Slytheria Metallica can say that they're actually they're not a terrible species, but 
that's not where you want the majority of people starting. You don't want that 14-year-old kid starting with a P. Metallica in his, parent, in his parents' home with the pets and the kids around because there's a good chance it's going to escape. Sure, it looks pretty. Sure, it looks nice. But I'm telling you, the first time he gets that thing home and goes to transfer it, that's where things get sketchy. And I think for a lot of people, and I've had emails from people who have purchased and then gotten rid of Old World's, because they get them in and they're scared of them. And that's finally the one thing I want to bring, you know, make very, very clear. You need to be respectful of your animals. You need to be cautious. You should not be scared of them. If you're afraid to open an enclosure, afraid to do cleaning, that is no, that's no good for you. That's no good for the spider. You're going to have a spider that's going to be sitting in nasty conditions because you're going to be like haphazardly dumping water all over the place and not cleaning up boluses and things of that nature. And to top it off, you're going to have, it's going to ruin your fun of the hobby. You're not going to want to even see the spider. And believe me, I've had people that have tried to, I've had been approached by people that have been like, hey, I know you got old worlds. I got this one. It scares the heck out of me. Would you be interested in taking it from me or whatever? So I think, again, for people that just to kind of transition a little bit into just when am I ready for an old world, if you're having nightmares about it, if you're, if you're thinking about transferring an old world tarantula and you're freaking out about what if it escapes, what if it kills my cat, what if it bites my kid, what if it's on the ceiling, what if it's here, take some time, get some more experience under your belt. You're probably not ready for it. You don't want to have it be something that becomes something that creates a lot of anxiety for you. That's not what this hobby's about. The hobby should be relaxing and fun. Sure, if you're transferring something in old world or a feistier tarantula, the adrenaline is going to spike a little bit, but you want to be able to you know, calm that down and be able to operate safely. So to sum it all up, I'm not telling people they all have to go by the beginner's species lists to start out, to each their own, whatever works for you works for you. So I don't want people to come away going, Tom Moran just said that everybody has to start. That's not what this is about. What this is about is the importance of informed, logical, thought out beginner species lists and how many people coming into this hobby find these a valuable resource. They are very important when done well. Again, I've seen beginner species lists where people throw stuff on there that leaves me scratching my head a bit. Um, And I will say that even my beginner species list, I will be revisiting it very soon and making some major changes to it and doing a couple. I don't want to give anything away now because I'm still working on it, but making a couple new differentiations between types of beginner species, i.e. hands-on, hands-off, But I do think they are a very integral part of the hobby and very important to many people coming into the hobby. Again, I just point out one of the most searched terms on my website, beginner species, right then and there. That's what people are looking for. So if you want to put something out there that is going to get information to new keepers, that's the way to do it. And as luck would have it, before I was able to put this up, I've been recording these podcasts ahead of time, buddy of mine, David at Erie Arachnids, just posted up an amazing video in which he shares his thoughts on the same topic. And it was it was just amazing to watch because I, we were pretty much, neck, you know, see eye to eye on this. So again, don't just take my word for it. David's an experienced keeper, has a lot of animals, has kept old worlds, and says many of the same things. So I implore you, I'll put a link in the description set of this podcast so that people can check it out but i would encourage people to go over and check out his it's just david pouring his heart out about this and again we agree it's these to say i'm going to make a list or a video disparaging something of such importance in the hobby 
it just doesn't make any sense to me. Again, if, if you found one that somebody was going, yeah, I, like I, I always point to that, there used to be, a, if you search best beginner species, the list that came up, the OBT was listed as one of the best beginner species. And I've had folks go, oh, they're great because they can't be killed. But again, that's not an animal I want to learn basic husbandry on. So if you were going to talk about the validity of some of these lists, that would be one thing. But to basically just go, you know what? I'm sick of hearing people recommend beginners, tarantulas, and say grandma stolen stuff. I just find it ridiculous. Again, my opinion, and you guys can take it or leave it. And I'm sure there'll be some comments of people going against me. But to make it very clear, you should be doing your research. You should be informed. I would encourage people to get some experience before moving into old worlds. But if you have experience in other hobbies and feel like you're ready for it, that's a decision you have to make. And hopefully people will continue to make beginners lists, good beginners lists that, you know, offer up some good species for people to check out. Because I do think that the majority of folks getting into this hobby appreciate them. And again, like I said before, if there's a comment section, if it's a YouTube video, if it's a blog, it allows people to dialogue about, to have a conversation, to get more information. It leads to a place for me to go, oh, you didn't know they molted? Here's a video on molting. Here's an article on molting. Oh, you didn't know? It just opens up. You have to have a place to start. And creating a video or article or whatever it may be with the title Beginner Tarantulas is a wonderful place to start. So that'll do it for this one. That was a long one. But again, I've, I've got extra time saved up on my podcast. So some of these guys will probably start trickling into the 45-minute mark. Uh, several people have come forward and said they wish they were a little bit longer. So I really appreciate that. So the target's always 30 minutes or so. But I'm telling you, I've got the time. I Some of them, they will warrant more time. I'll take more time. So again, if you'd like to comment on this one, I think the place to do it right now will be Facebook, my Facebook page, Tom's Big Spiders. I usually throw up links to these when they're ready, and that's where a lot of people have come to comment, and hopefully we'll get a little dialogue going on this one. It'll be kind of fun. Uh, if you haven't checked out my website, uh, tomsbigspiders.com is where I have a lot of my information. For anybody listening that's new to the hobby, I think you'll find a lot of good resources there. I try to keep things updated. I have sling guides, molting guides, substrate guides, you name it. And again, just use it as a springboard, find some information out, and then go do some more research. That's what it's all about, the research. And I'm on Instagram, I think under Tom Moran, I'm I'm sure I'm enjoying that, but I don't even know what my name is on that. And I think on Tumblr as well, if you look up Tom's Big Spider. So feel free to comment on any of those uh, sites. I'm trying to balance them all, some I'm better at than others. And again, if you have any questions, you can email me at tomsbigspiders at outlook.com. I loathe Outlook. Probably should have picked another thing like Gmail to do it on, but that's what I'm stuck with now. I don't feel like transferring it over. So again, thanks so much for listening. Until next time, uh, goodbye, I guess. I've got to, again, come up with some kind of phrase at the end of these, but that's it for now. Bye, guys.